A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest is a paranormal romance author who is on a mission to expand her readers' minds and create unique worlds that they can escape to through the power of storytelling. Her writing style features sassy heroines, urban drama, angels, wolves, demons, witches, and sensual scenes. Born and raised, and based in Dallas, she spent most of her childhood picking apart movies and books. She is currently the founder of Floby Publishing, where she publishes her own and other writer's short stories. She also provides complimentary creative writing advice to her fellow word weavers. Ladies and gentlemen, Desi Smith. Desi, what's going on? Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What's, what's going on, man? What's going on in Dallas, man? Um, the weather the weather is definitely bipolar (laughs) right now it's a little warm um what two three days ago it was like 40 so we're really over it the weather (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy that's crazy so paranormal romance author yes what got you into writing in that genre Well, um, actually, my mom is the one who um, introduced me to that genre. She loves all things paranormal. Her favorite one is um, Dracula. She loves like I've seen so many different adaptations of Dracula. And um, from there, yes, (laughs) that's all she likes is she just loves Dracula for whatever reason. And um, (laughs) from there, I just started um, writing in that genre like um. And it's so funny because I started reading in, um, what is it, street lit genre. And um, (laughs) once I started reading a paranormal romance genre, I've never looked back. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So what what was it about the paranormal that, obviously besides the influence from your mom, Mm -hmm. that like got you like so hooked? I think it's really just the, the, the worlds that they create. You know, it's just like, it's so like awesome. Like you want to be a part of that world. Like you can see yourself like, oh, I can see myself, you know, I'm trying to think of the world they created in Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, I can see myself during that time zone. I can see myself, you know, it's just, it's just so inspiring. Like I just want to become a part of it. And that really inspired me to create my own word, you know, especially for um African-Americans, because that's why I started writing. There wasn't a lot of African-Americans in paranormal romance. So I was all mm. like, why not do it, you know? Why why do you think that is though? Um, and I don't mean to be offensive when I say this. I feel like we're we're used to certain things, like, you know, we're not really taught or educated and told that we can branch out and do different things, like, you know. 
we're told, oh, you're good at street lit. So, you know, you should only do street lit <laughs> writing. <laughs> right, and right. that's that's not the case. Like we can we can write romance. We can do mystery. We can do sci fi. And um, since I've started writing, I have reached out. And, you know, to other African-American authors who actually do write in my genre. And it's and we're all surprised when we do like group together because it's it's very few of us. Oh, really? Even still. Mm hmm. So how does it feel when you because um, obviously once you started, you, you didn't know the numbers, uh, even though it was a few of you just to have that that had those pairs that are in the same genre as you and obviously that look like you. Um, how does that feel having that type of support um, in terms of writing in this genre? Um, it's very um, inspiring. And it's another word I'm thinking of, but I cannot think of it right now. Comforting, I think it's the word that I would have to choose because, I mean, if they can do it, I can do it too. And if I ever need the support, if I ever have any questions, I know who to reach out to because some of them have been in the game far longer than I have. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So when did you actually start writing? Was it something you always done as a, as a child or did you recently get into it? It was something I've always did as a child. Um, I started when I was maybe nine or 10 years old. And um, ever since then, I've just been writing. Um, at first, I couldn't finish a novel. <laughs> I was just like, having several different unfinished stories in my mom's house. And I still have them to this day. And um, I think <laughs> when I was in, <laughs> I think when I was in high school, I actually started and finished my first book and I've never published it, but that was the first really? book that I started and finished. Mm -hmm. you, think, you think you ever finished any of those, <laughs> like those old stories that you started, or are they just going to be in the, uh, in the <laughs> <laughs> probably not <laughs> probably not i actually need to take a look at those just to see what i was writing about back then because <laughs> <I, laughs> my, my writing style has changed a lot completely like <laughs> the book that i started in high school i've changed it like four times now like i've even taken it off the um amazon and barnes and nobles marketing place because like I want it to be better. Like I'm older now. I think differently. So it's just like, I'm going to do it till I get it right. <laughs> oh, are you still, uh, you still chipping away at it? Yes. And I, I think <laughs> the story that I have now for this particular series, I think this is where I, I want it to stay. Like this is direction and it was always meant to go. It's just, <laughs> I've changed it like a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> And that's crazy that you talk about um, obviously publishing it years ago and then taking it down and, and then reworking it because that shows um, in, within yourself that you saw your growth as a writer. What do you mm -hmm. think contributed to that growth? Um, I think personal experiences is one. Um, I think going back to school and um, getting a degree in creative writing was another and then the third was just like, I want it to be as good as Lord of the Rings. I want it to be as good as mm. Supernatural. And I feel like then what I wrote isn't on that level. And I feel like we deserve, like us, like we deserve books that's on that level because I want to see my stuff 
in the movies. I want to see it on Netflix and stuff like that, but it has to be good and we deserve no less, you know? Mm. So we, we so when you break down, you, you break down the growth as a writer, you're growing, um, you're coming up with these stories. Mm-hmm. What was obviously your goal now? Obviously, you started your own publishing company, but what was it before? Like, what was it before you had all this growth? What was the, the publishing? Um, what was the goal at that time? Um, the main goal for me was just to get my work out there. <laughs> like, I just felt you ain't like, care, oh, huh? <laughs> <at all. laughs> I like how you caught that because I'm laughing because I was all like, I'm gonna put it out there. I don't care how it looks. I just want someone to see how awesome I am. And oh right. Lord, it was horrible, <laughs> but it was out there though. So. And what changed? What changed over from that period of time to? Um, to the point now where you started your own publishing company. That's a big, that's a big, uh, a big step to take. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, (laughs) I've noticed that you can't put out like half, excuse my language, you know, ASS work. Like it, that doesn't fly. Like, especially for self publishers, like it's already a thing that we self publish our own work, you know, instead of just going to a traditional publisher, and when people see that it's a self-publisher, they kind of like, mm, like mm, we don't know if the story is going to be as well, if it's going to be as good. So I want to make sure if I'm putting something out there like it's great and it matches up with the the traditional publishing, you know, prints. And that way no one can say like, oh, well, she's a self-publisher. It's not as great as the other ones, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think? What do you think the stigma is? Um, what caused that stigma? Do you think it was? the writers or do you think it was just unwarranted from um readers and obviously consumers of uh books i feel like it's the readers really because um you know with self-publishing you don't really necessarily have the money to do everything that the bigger traditional publishing houses have and i think that we kind of you know skip out on editing we kind of skip out on book cover designing we skip out on the layout and format for the book and when readers see that you know they compare our self-published work to the traditional publishers and they're all like uh this is why no one likes self-publisher this is why you should (laughs) publish traditionally you know so it's it's definitely a stigma and we as authors who self-publish we're kind of responsible for that because it's a lot that we don't know (laughs) And then, you know, the reader read that one particular book when you didn't know to do this or that. And it's always stuck in their head like, well, you know, you didn't get your book edited correctly. So, eh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, once you I don't know, man, it's hard to bounce back once you. You get that first bad, like first put that first bad book out and then the readers, like, you know what I mean? Your name's out mm-hmm. there. It's, it's, it's real hard to bounce back. But like you like you talked about growth, like people do, you know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. as writers, people do grow so much. So it's not I, w- I would say it's not fair. Um, you know, what I mean, always to obviously we have the obligation, but it's hard. It's We still deserve the benefit of the doubt as we're growing. You know what I mean? I um, agree. So what do you think about people that that don't grow? Like, you know, (laughs) like because because like you said, 
there is a business and everything you stated was so true that you want to match up with the the big publishers in terms of the writing, the editing and the book covers specifically. But obviously, you know, everyone doesn't think like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just like some of the stuff they put out is like you you look at it and you could tell it was like, OK, this is low budget. This ain't official. Why do you think that is like why why do you think some people had that mindset of not putting it all into making it professional? I think some people just get comfortable, like, you know, even though it's not professional, it sells. And why fix something that's not broke? You know, if I'm selling Mm. copies of this book, if my friends, families, whoever is purchasing copies of the book online in person, like I'm not going to just because a few, you know, dozen people say, oh, it wasn't edited correctly or, oh, you know, the format of the book was, you know, done incorrectly. They're not going to go back and change it because people are still buying it, you know? Right. So college, you went to, you went to college for creative writing? I did. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, how, so how was that? Obviously, as a, as a writer, um, did you go specifically because you knew you wanted to be a writer or is that just you're just that you just navigated towards that naturally. It's so funny. Um, so I went, okay, so let me start from the beginning. I have a bachelor's degree in English and I've always like, I knew I wanted to be an author since like high school. Like my junior year, I told my mom, like I want to write, like, that's what I want to do. But, um, I was so fearful, you know, like, Oh, I'm not going to get a job. Like Arthur's really don't make that much money artists in general really don't make that much money. So instead of going for a creative writing degree off the bat, I just went and got a bachelor's in English. So then after I did that, I was all like, you know, I deserve to actually major in what I want to major in. So I went back and I got my master's in creative writing and I loved mm. it. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So how, how was that? Did that, did that um, curriculum prepare you uh, for the life of a writer. Yes, and it was it's it's totally different. It and it's just may, maybe my thinking, but it is not what I expected it to be. Like um, the way that they have you writing in that program. So of course, you know, you can do anything you want to. You can do sci-fi, you can do mystery, street lit, whatever is your option. But it's more like screenwriting. And mm, right. right. <laughs> yeah. And I remember telling my professor, I'm all like, mm, I write, you know, stories. I don't really write scripts. Like, why scripts. do I need to? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't write scripts. Why do I need to know this? And he was all like, it's interchangeable. He was like, if you know how to write a script, you know how to write a story. And um, we had to learn this very uh, tedious outline process. Um, it's called a three act structure that um, they introduced us to. And I was all like, what the heck? Like, I'm never going to get this. This makes no sense. I'm not writing a script like I don't have act one, act two. And the funny thing is, that's how I outline all of my stories now. I use that mm, three act that's structure. Crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. So so break that down. Break that structure, outline the structure down for, for the listeners who don't know. and um. And also, would you recommend it from other outlines? I'm pretty sure you did research on other outlines. Would you re- recommend the three act structure for, for oh um, writers gosh. out there? Okay, so it's so funny you asked me that because I'm actually 
preparing a course to um, go through with Arthur's to help them outline their stories. And it's a combination of the three act structure and then just my personal thoughts in regards to like the structure. Okay, so the three act structure is it's divided into three acts, right? It's um, act one, act two and act three. Um, in Act 1, you have Stage 1, and Stage 1 is basically the opening of your novel, and this is where your protagonist is seen doing what he or she basically does on a day-to-day basis. So um, it's no more than like one to two sentences, but it's a quick summary of what this character does on a day-to-day basis. Now, that's Stage 1, right? And we're still in Act 1. After Stage 1, you have Turning Point 1. So Turning Point 1 is this um, incident is what they call it. And this is where a new situation is introduced to your character. So this is the thing that makes the story the story. So let's say that your character, you know, is a maid. She's cleaning up. Let's say maybe she opens up a closet and she finds like a treasure chest. And turning point one will have her either look at the treasure chest or, you know, not look at the treasure chest. But of course, since this is the story, she will have to look at the um, treasure chest in order to, you know, continue on with the story. Because if she doesn't, it's no story. Right. right. So um, that's all in act one. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> act two is <laughs> it's, I, when, I, when I tell you it's tedious, like <laughs> I've done this before with other authors and they're all like, man, this is crazy. OK, so <laughs> act two. <laughs> Act two is um, turning point two. Okay, so this is basically where the um, the protagonist, your character, accepts whatever they the situation threw at them in turning point one. So uh, remember, she opens up the treasure chest, and that will be her going through the treasure chest and finding something. Okay, so that's turning point two, and this is act two, right? So now we're moving on to turning point three. (laughs) So turning point three is like the middle of your story, your script. Okay, so this is like the middle. um, This is the biggest roadblock that can happen in the story. So we've already established that she opens up the treasure chest. She sees something in there and a roadblock could be maybe she gets sucked into the treasure chest or maybe she was never supposed to be you know, looking in that treasure chest. So somebody comes and then takes her or whatever. So <laughs> that's turning point three, right? Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I'm on stage one, two, three, two. Yeah. So <laughs> that's act two. <laughs> it's a lot. So then we finally get to act three. And um, act three is turning point four. Okay. So turning point four is this is where your protagonist is supposed to meet the antagonist. Okay. So we already said she opens up the treasure chest. She looks through it. Somebody comes and likes, you know, tell her she shouldn't be looking at it. Maybe that person who comes and tell her she shouldn't be going through it will be the antagonist. And you have to have that play out because, you know, a protagonist is nothing without an antagonist. And I don't know. Does the listeners know what antagonist protagonist is? Am I? 
They they should, but <laughs> if they if they don't break that down too. <laughs> okay, so your um your protagonist is like the main character in your story. Um, some people have several different main characters, and your antagonist is their rival. Like this is a person that they're always into it with. Um, some people say this could be the bad guy, although um it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad person. It's just somebody the protagonist you know goes against in the story so back to the um the outline process so the last thing is stage six okay so after your protagonist and antagonist you know they met maybe they got into it stage six is the new normal for your protagonist so what happens you know was your protagonist victorious um did the antagonist, you know, vest your protagonist? Like, did they get the best of them? You know, like, what is their new normal? Remember, I started off this particular story with um, her cleaning up. So my new normal, my stage six would be maybe um, she doesn't have a job anymore. You know, instead of cleaning houses, she's looking for the antagonist because she wants her revenge. So <laughs> that's a very long tedious um three act structure and um like i said i am actually going to do a class about this because eh, it's you know it's useful but i feel like it can be broken down better where people can understand it more because it took me a year to get it so i don't really expect mm. authors you know especially first time new authors to get this you know in like a month or two or three weeks. So I'm hoping my program will help out a lot. Mm. So, so sticking on, um, same subject of, of the college curriculum. Mm-hmm. Once you were doing screenwriting, um, did you ever have you, or have you ever considered like getting into like that a little bit, like diving into the film industry a little bit in terms of writing scripts? Mm. Since you were basically doing it in college. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I did think about it, but um, no, not really. I think I'm just going to stick with novels. Um, It's always a good experience to have, you know, in case I do want to turn one of my stories into, you know, TV or maybe a little short TV series. I know how to do it, but I I like novels more because, you know, with script, it's a lot of stuff that you don't include in the script. Like, it's more action. It's not a lot of description. It's not like a lot of dialogue. Oh, right. It's like straight. It's straight to the point with um script, and you kind of have to do more when you write an actual story. You know. Now, do you think do you? Because uh, obviously, uh, your professor said it. Said uh, his, <laughs> what, what he said about if you could write a screenplay, you could write a, a novel. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can see it. I can see that happening. But do you think the opposite? I don't know about the opposite. What do you think? If you could write a novel, you, it's difficult, I think, in it, terms of doing it, the opposite. It definitely is. And um, not to be that person, you know how like everyone says, oh, anybody can write. I definitely right. don't believe that either. <laughs> like, <laughs> certain people are born with certain abilities. No, not anybody can write. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's like saying, oh, anybody can draw. I tried. I can't draw. No. 
Yeah, nah. <laughs> right, like I can't Especially do it. Some of these, yeah. Especially some of these people now. Oh my God, they like, it's so much creativity out here when it comes to art now and drawing and illustrating. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. I can't right. do nothing. I wouldn't even know where to start. Right. <laughs> so, you are a writer in one of the most, I don't know, not difficult, one of the most creative genres mm-hmm. i would say when you talk about paranormal like also like fantasy i was i would say the same for like sci-fi as well mm-hmm. um how do you meet those challenges because like you mentioned earlier you are creating worlds you are in- including um creatures angels demons witches so how do you how do you dive into that creative space in order to create a world um Honestly, I think it's basically I I do what I I write what I want to write about like and that's why I love my genre because it's not really defined like I can create the type of angel I want to like for example um this story that I have published now is um Rosewood series and in this story I created a wolf but the wolf and the man are two separate entities and they only share a body because of the pack that the hunter who the wolf resides in made with the wolf. So you can do whatever you want to do. You can create whatever type of land, you know, dimension you want to do. It's it's totally up to you. You don't have to um, follow the rules, you know, that the, I guess your predecessors who came before you, like your wolf doesn't have to look like the wolves in the movies or whatever. You get to create what you want, you know, and if, if people don't like it, that's them, but someone's going to like it, and that's just what that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I always ask writers this because everybody's so different. What is what is your writing setup? Like, what do you need to get those creative juices flowing? <laughs> um, <laughs> I watch a lot of TV when I write. And, um, like, it's at the just same like, time? Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, with the volume like, up or just the picture? <laughs> No, with the volume up. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and it's most of the time it shows I've already seen. And then sometimes it shows that I don't really have any true interest in. So I just have it, you know, I need like the background noise. I need some type of background noise. And like, <laughs> I do it all the time when I watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'll put that show on and I'll just write. And it, put, it doesn't really bother on. me. <laughs> Put that show on the right, the right paranormal room. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> it's really That's, crazy. That is crazy. I would think it's a distraction. <laughs> no, no. I put the office on and I'll write. <laughs> it's just, I just like the background noise. <laughs> background noise. <laughs> Because even if it's a rerun, you know, some reruns, you'd be like, oh, oh, I remember this episode. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, it's a, it's a marathon and I'm saying <laughs> I'm yeah, not writing. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll be writing. I'll look up every now and then, you know, I'll pause if the episode is interesting. And then once the part I'm looking at is over, I continue writing with the background noise. <laughs> so you like pen, pen and pad, laptop? What's your uh, what's your workflow? Um, laptop. Um, I'm on my Mac laptop. Um, 
I set up the the page. So at first, before I like went to school and everything, I used to just type. Now um, I do my title page. I do the copyright page. I do the um, synopsis for the story. I do my table of content. And then below that, I start typing. So I organize it by chapters. It's easier this way, too, because when I do get done with the story, I don't have to go back and put all that stuff in there at the beginning. So I set Mm -hmm. it up first and then I start typing. So what program are you using? Are you using Word? I know some people use, what is it, Scrivener? 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 (laughs) I I know know there's a bunch of different programs out here. Um, What what program do you use? Word. Love Word. (laughs) Why? It's easier for me. And actually, when I went to school in, was it high school? Like, you know, they had those little courses that showed you how to use Word, how to use the comments, the track changes and everything. So I'm very familiar with Word. <laughs> My um, coworker showed me Google Docs, like, I want to say two or three months ago. And I was like, what the heck is this? And she was like, yeah, this is the, the popular thing now. No one uses Word anymore. And I was like, well, I'm still going to use Docs. Mm hmm. So you can basically. I know that. (laughs) You can do everything you do in Word with Google Docs. It saves it too automatically, so you don't have to worry about losing your work. And you know, with um, Google Docs files, I believe it goes to a specific, like a hard drive. You know, like how Apple has like that specific cloud. Google Docs. Yeah, Google Docs have something similar to that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. So going from a writer um, to a publisher, how difficult was that? Because obviously you're learning a whole different... It's, it's one thing being an independent writer, but then once mm-hmm. you become a publisher, you, you you jump into a whole different world in terms of business and, and organization and... Um, terms of budgeting, marketing, and everything like that. So how, how was that journey going from a writer to a publisher? It's very difficult. Um, in my opinion, I feel like it takes away from the writing sometimes because, like you said, a lot of stuff goes into it. You know, you have to find a book cover. You have to do marketing for the book. You know, you have to do exterior. Um, I have to... It's, it's just a lot. <laughs> it... <laughs> It took me a while to balance that. But um, once you get it and if you save your resources, it's a lot easier. Like I didn't even know how to format a book. And um, now I can do it in like a minute flat, if that like it doesn't take that long now. Mm. So how are you able to find what's your process of finding and. um in deciding who you work with in terms of your publishing company, in terms of the writers you decide to take on and also like the editors, the the, the cover designers, all those people. How, how do you determine who's the right fit for Flowbee Publishing? So I'm going to be honest. It's, it's a trial and base error for me. Um, I know for my covers, I was receiving feedback that they sucked. So <laughs> I switched to a whole Ooh, new damn. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like I'm you have to have tough skin to be a publisher and like a writer, period. And like I I've definitely developed a tougher skin because people are harsh. So 
<laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I switched cover designers and like everyone loves um, this person. They're like, oh, who does your covers? Like I, I always get compliments. Like people's like, oh my gosh, this is so cute. Um, with editing, I have a story now out in the market that some people said is um, not edited correctly. So what I have to do is go back, find a new editor and update the story. Like, I mean, it's a it's a trial and error thing. Like you can't really you can't beat yourself up about it. You know, each person notices something different. What works for one person may not work for the other, but it's it's trial and error for me. Now, is uh, Floby Publishing, is that, are you just going to be uh, an all-around publisher or are you going to be a genre-specific publisher? Because I know some publishing companies are genre-specific. Um, I'm going to be an all-around publisher. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> I write in two different pen names. So I write in Desi Smith. That's the paranormal romance. And then I write in my other pen name. Um, Carmel Delight, that's my erotica um, genre that I write in. So I'm going to be an all-around publisher. Mm. So erotica, because we had a, a, a couple uh, authors um, on a podcast of erotica. What is your opinion about the, the state of erotica in terms of the publishing world? What do you mean? In terms of the genre with... Um, the the negative stigmas that come with <laughs> erotica, you know what I mean, and um, also the growth of it because uh, I some of the authors we interview, it's not just you know what I mean, it's not just sex. They're, they're actually good stories, and mm-hmm. most people when they think about erotica, they just think about you know what I mean. They're so quick to dismiss it, but not really understand realizing these are actually good stories in in, in most of these uh in most of these books. But but why did why is it such a negative stigma in today's society? Mm, because I think people think erotica is porn, <laughs> and <laughs> like I just don't. I feel like people connect the two, and in their minds, you know, they're like instead of writing about it, you could just watch porn, you know. And I mean that's true. That's definitely true. But <laughs> that's it's true. It's true. There's like you said. Some some writers actually do a story behind the erotica. And I think that's I think for women, that's better because we're very visual people. Like you just can't have the man knock on the door and they're just like straight into action. Like you have to kind of <laughs> feel <laughs> like women. We're all like, uh-uh, no, mm, that's you got that too easy. <laughs> like <laughs> you really got to build that fantasy, you know? <laughs> Like we really want you. <laughs> it's the truth, though. Like we don't. Uh, what he knocking on the door for? Coming, you know, like that's how we he think. Like for on men, the door. right? <laughs> <laughs> for men, y'all are like, yeah, let's get to it. Like I don't need to read all that. Just let's get to it. For women, we're all like, <laughs> like he ain't gonna tell her her name, and you know they're not gonna introduce them. Like it's man, we think <laughs> real crazy. <laughs> They're not gonna like go date and date each other for years and before they (laughs) exactly like you're not gonna commit to her first like no (laughs) give us some background information (laughs) so So (laughs) it's that 
It was something else that was on my mind. I can't even think of it. What's the other thing I was going to say about erotica? Oh, and sometimes it's just like unbelievable. Like, and I'm not trying to talk about anybody's books, but um, the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. I was just all like, how, Lord, how? And I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's another problem too. Like, you know, you read this stuff and you're all like, there's no way in hell that this is, someone is letting this happen. Like, no, like you're like seven feet in this book and she's five feet. Like, how is that even working out? Like, no, I'm not going to believe this. So (laughs) we think like that too. That's crazy. So where'd you so you said Carmel Delight? Mm-hmm. Where'd you get that pen name from? Uh I just made it up. <laughs> like what? Like from what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just made it. I don't really have I just made it up. I didn't really take it from anything. I just made it up. <laughs> really? Now when you developed your pen name, was it like a was like a, a a list of names you were choosing from, or did you just go with the first thing you thought of? Um, so my name is Desiree, and Desi is my nickname, and my last name is Morrow, but my mom's maiden name is Smith. So mm. that's how I came up with that. And with the Carmel Delight, I just I wanted to create something that was so different, not even associated or could be associated with Desi Smith. So that's how I came up with that. Mm. And why was it important for you to separate the two genres? I didn't really. Okay, so I know my genre, the paranormal romance, um, is targeted to teens, like 16. I didn't really want them to interact with the erotica. So I really Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that I separate the two genres because I didn't want the parents of the teens to, like, you know, mistakenly walk upon them reading erotica like, why is this, you know, this chick writing in two different genres like that? You know, like her books are targeted mm-hmm. to teens, but she's also writing erotica like that doesn't it's not really a good look to me. Like I'm a teacher, so I didn't really want to I don't want any like mistakes or <laughs> it's separated for a reason. Like if you're looking for Carmel Delight, you're going to really have to look for her <laughs> and then you'll know. <laughs> like the teens, whoever read my book will know, well, yeah, no, this is two different pen names so you can tell this is two different genres you know exactly mm-hmm. so where, where do you teach at i mean not where do you teach at like like not specifically like, like, so what, like what grade do you teach high school <laughs> high school, high school. Uh-huh. uh so how how is that now today like how would it because when i was in high school we were a mess but today's kids i don't know i think they with all the phones and all the nonsense i was teaching I was, yep. I was there. There's, there's, there's still a miss. There's, there's still a miss. <laughs> still yeah. a miss. Ain't, it ain't changed. <laughs> no. no. It's even worse now with the cell phone. So. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. Yeah. So how is it is it um in terms of um I don't, I don't know what to say. We I don't know. We grew up in a different era, I think, than they did. That's true. We That's grew up true. we grew up where books books were the escape for us mm-hmm. so you it was easily easy to get caught up in the book and you know what i mean just get lost within the words for them mm-hmm. which is not really their fault um with social media they're in such a visual world mm-hmm. that 
it, uh, it, it's even hard to get their attention. Like in terms, well, keep their attention because everything's so fast. You got the the vines, the the, the stories, the snapshots. Everything's so fast and is expected to be fast. How is how is how does that translate into the classroom in, in terms of um, in terms of teaching? It has, has teaching the curriculum changed a little bit to make things more visual to keep up with society. Um, they try to implement more technology into the classrooms, but it's kind of problematic because the students will be so focused on the technology and the teacher is only one teacher. Like I can't watch everyone. So while I'm, you know, giving the lesson, the students are supposed to be taking notes with the laptop or following along, you know, with the PowerPoint. Instead, they're on a different website playing games, listening to music. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) it's very like, sometimes it's helpful. And then sometimes it's just a distraction. Like, and in my classrooms, I don't even let them use it at all. Like, and they'll tell me too, like, oh, Miss Morrow, you know, they let us use the laptops when we take notes. I'm like, no, we're taking notes the old fashioned way with hand yeah, right. like, exactly. like, <laughs> I don't have time to keep looking behind me to make sure that you're not on another website while I'm giving a lesson. So no, no, we're doing it old fashioned. <laughs> and um, how was the, do you, did any of the students know that you're an author? Yes, it's so funny because um. One day I asked my students, I said, you know, like, do y'all read outside the classroom? And they were all like, no. I was like, really? Like, no. Nope. Man, so serious. I was like, I don't read at all. And, you know, it's always a few students who do read in the classroom, you know. But I was just trying to really gauge, like, because my market is them. Like, that's who my market is. And I was like, y'all don't read? And they was like, no. Um, if it's an audible, we may consider it, but not really. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, not like an audible. No, that's crazy. That's that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what the heck? I'm. I don't know. <laughs> because even when, you, when even when you think about it, even when you think about. The as many shows they have out that are good and um good series and th- they still don't compare to the amount of diversity that that's within books. You know what I mean? For every mm-hmm. show, you can like you know what I mean. You can get wrapped up in the show. A good show is over. Boom! But you got like hundreds of books that will give you the same uh, entertainment or even more entertainment. So that's See, that's more hard to believe. That's crazy. They don't really watch TV either, they were telling me. Oh, snap. Right. <laughs> what the hell they do? <laughs> <laughs> they play video games and they're on their cell phone. That's it. That's it. That's it. They're video, cell phone. That's, I mean, I mean, in class, texting one another, instead of just leaning across the table or desk just to speak to that person, that's how it is. That's, that's, that's just kind of You think we're going to be staying in this norm or you think it's going to change? Mm, I don't really see it changing anytime soon. And unless like something happens where the technology won't be available for like a certain period of time, I don't, I don't see it really changing. I think it's just going to get upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what what was your mom's reaction when she when you showed her your first book, like the first official book? Oh my gosh, she was so happy. She um oh my gosh. So <laughs> I say it like that because uh she made me get like a hundred copies of that first book, right? Now mind you, I didn't know nothing about marketing. Um, starting out, I was a shy person. So I wasn't really a person just to go up to you and say, Hey, you know, you want to read my book. So I still have about, um, I want to say about 50 copies that I have not sold of that book. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) yeah, she was just so excited about it. And like, (laughs) it was just, it was a lot. (laughs) She was proud though. (laughs) Yes, so what was your what was your reaction when you first you got the first print run done and then you got that delivery and you opened up that box? Oh my gosh, you couldn't tell me anything. I was all like, Yep, I did it. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to be the next. Um, I'm trying to see who's in my market. I can't even think of her name. But I was all like, I'm about to be the next Mad Cabot, you know? Gonna be the next Stephen <laughs> King. I'm going to be on Oprah Winfrey show. People are going to be coming and talking to me about this book. <laughs> My expectations are really high. <laughs> Listen, man, you got to speak into it in existence. You do. <laughs> you, gotta... you do. Listen. So let's jump into the book. And it is the Rosewood series. Uh, mm-hmm. Start with, well, focus on book one, the guest house switch mm-hmm. so this this story man when i say creativity was just weaving through the, the, these pages of words <laughs> and, and each word in the characters it's crazy and i'm like damn like how do you even <laughs> you know what i mean because like how do you even think of that in terms of because i got so much respect for like fantasy writers paranormal writers because in sci-fi because it's like like you said you are creating worlds you're creating these characters that are so out of the norm that you just mm-hmm. you you love it you're so intrigued by them that you just you, you're like glued to each page so sage rosewood how did you what was the the story behind creating that character so it's funny um i was i've advertised i think did i put a picture of sage rosewood in the book i don't remember i think it's a picture of her right in chapter one so I advertise her picture um, on my social media platforms, um, you know, Facebook marketing and Instagram marketing. And people ask me all the time, like, how did you create that particular character? And Sage, um, she relates to me a lot as a person. And I've noticed that when I do write any of my female characters, I put a lot of me, well, not a lot, just little bits and pieces of who I am into that character. But Sage is definitely me like that is me all the way um like she's very attached to her family as you read in the book you know like she doesn't necessarily do anything on her own you know she has to you know seek um their opinions out before she branches out and in the story something happens where she has to actually start you know being independent like she starts to have to make decisions by herself and you know just she comes into who she's meant to be so i can really definitely relate to that character 
Mm, so, so breaking down the other characters, obviously without giving away too much. So what was the mindset, obviously, after you created Sage to um, create this, these other supporting characters in the way you did? Um, the next character would be Kaden. Um, and, you know, that's like Sage boyfriend or love interest in the story. And um, I I've had a friend who had a similar situation to Kaden and it wasn't a guy or anything. It was just like a girl like. You know how you have those um, friends who really don't have much of a home presence. So they Mm kind of attach themselves to you because that's what they're missing. And in the story, um, Caden, you know, his mother died at a young age and his beta um, family was the one that took him in and raised him to be the man he is today. So I think that's where I kind of got that story from, because I've had have had friends where we've had to take them in because they didn't really have anyone at their house, you know? Mm. And then, um, another character, the beta Rayvon, um, you know, just going back to that friend who took Caden in, like I created Rayvon as that character, you know, he's funny, he's likable. He's like the little brother that nobody wants, but he's super fun. He's, He's, you know, well-mannered. <laughs> He's a good person to be around. He'll get you in trouble. But you need, like, people like that in your life, you know? Like, right. they make life fun. <laughs> so that's why, right, right. I, <laughs> that's why I created him. <laughs> so in terms of the setting, the woodlands, mm-hmm. what, were, what was your thought process in terms of... Um, Cause I'm always interested to see like what people are thinking, like, because things are so different in, in, in the planning process, the outlining process, you know what I mean? In terms mm-hmm. of like, Oh, what am I going to, how am I going to create this setting? And what am I going to have, um, be the obstacles in terms of entering this world and, and entering this specific place. So what was your thought process behind the woodlands and creating them? So actually I created the woodlands because I moved. Um, the particular complex I stay in is called Everwood. So I decided that I wanted to create a place with wood either being the first of the surname or wood being the ending of the surname. So the place that they stay in is the Woodlands. Um, Rose Wood is her last name. Caden Dynasty Wood would be his last name. And then all my other characters, they have wood at the end of their last like name so <laughs> it all mm. came from basically where i moved i was like oh i'm gonna create a whole complex <laughs> of city with wood in there somewhere that's crazy that's hot you know what I mean? like, <laughs> so <laughs> what what made you decide to make it a series um i uh Okay, so, you know, um, my genre I write is paranormal romance, right? But I also write short stories, and I don't want to go above 20,000 words, so it, it had to be a series. And the only reason I did that was because when I asked my students, like, you know, do you read books? And they were all like, no, and we definitely not read no big Twilight books either. So I was just all like... <laughs> <laughs> in order to capture their attention, the book has to be short, sweet, to the point, you know? And if they like mm. it, then they'll read the continuation of that particular series. But 
if it goes on and on and on, you know, they'll just be all like, Mm-mm, nope, not doing it. So right. <laughs> that's why it has to be turned into a series. And the, and the, and the cover designs are, are very unique. Why did you decide to go with that style? Let's see the cover designs. I'm trying to see when did I, it was about, it was some years ago. And um, as you know, I actually bring my characters to life. Like, like I said, I want to um, bring representation for African-Americans in the paranormal romance genre. So I do create, not me because I can't draw, but I do have artists to draw <laughs> the characters. <laughs> I wish that'd be so much cheaper. <laughs> I have the artists to like draw the characters and bring them to life. And I was making covers surrounding those characters. And this other book publisher, she's African-American also, and she does like self-help books. She was telling me, she was all like, when you do, you know, book covers, you want to make sure that they're Caucasian books. And she was like, when you do that, um, you know, anybody will pick them up. She said, because think about it, when you go into the store, you see a Caucasian book cover, you pick it up, you know, a Caucasian will pick it up, Native American. And then she said, if you do only a black character prominently on that book cover, you know, it, people will be a little less hesitant to pick up the book cover. Like you want it to appeal to, you know, different people, not just one particular genre, you know. And um, mm -hmm. she was right. It it definitely does appeal to more than one person. People people pick it up like they look at it and they're like, oh, so that's that's what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for the Rosewood series? So um, the Rosewood series right now, three books is published. You have The Guest House Witch. That's number one. You have The Book Witch is number two. The Enchanting Witch is three. So those three are already available. Um, it's four more books in this series. Um, I can't think of, I want to say book four is the Made It Witch. Made, yeah, Made It. Um, and book five is the New and Approved Witch. I have those book covers already done. I haven't got the book cover for um, book six yet, but it's in the making. And what's next for Desi Smith? Um, Desi Smith, I am working on, oh Lord, I'm working on a lot of things now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a very busy person, apparently. I'm supposed to be a part of this. Um, we're having a, a book convention in New Orleans. Um, and what is the name of this thing? I can't think of it. Darn it. I can't, I can't think of it at all. Come on. I'm trying to make it come to me. Let me. I really can't think of it. <laughs> oh, it's the court of. Are you cre created? So no, I, I didn't create it. It's a book convention. It's the um, court of sin, and um, I'm doing. I'm a part of the anthology that they're doing for this particular book event, and the name of the story that I'm working on is "You Can't Escape Destiny." So it's about like a fire elemental. So she has the power of fire. And it's about a dragon. So <laughs> that's one story I'm working on. Um, and remember the story I was telling you about earlier, how I kept changing it. 
So yeah. I'm reworking on that story too. Um, I'm changing the name of it and everything. So it's going to have a whole new look, whole new attitude. So I'm doing that too. And I'm also working on this outline too. Mm. So tell people where they can find you, get in contact with you, um, where they can sign up for the course and also where they can find your books. Awesome. So you can follow me on uh, um, all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, um, at Flowbe Publishing. So it's F-L-O-E-B-E ending publishing. Um, my books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Kobu, and um, Apple's books. And actually, the first book in the Rosewood series is free, so you don't have to spend any money. Um, the outlining um, process that I'm starting on, currently, I don't really know where I'm going to put that at. I'm still, like, shopping and looking around. So when I do find out, I will update it on my personal website, um, www.flowbepublishing.com. All right, Desi Smith, we appreciate you stopping by on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.